Good morning. Things are not always what they seem. Charles Spurgeon was a famous preacher, and him and his wife uh, owned chickens. And people started to notice that they never gave the chicken eggs away, but they would only sell them. Some people felt that they should have been more generous and accused them of being stingy and greedy. The Spurgeons became aware of the rumblings and criticisms, but never responded. It was only after the death of Mrs. Spurgeon that the full story was revealed. The profits of the sales of the eggs were used by the Spurgeons to support two elderly widows. Things are not always what they seem. In Daniel chapter 10, that becomes a prominent theme. In Daniel chapter 10, we're given one of the most uh, detailed and expressive pictures of what happens and is happening in our world and what our eyes can not see. Daniel chapter 10 is a picture of spiritual warfare in the midst of waiting. So, so let's dive into the text. Daniel chapter 10 verse 1 tells us that in this is taking place in the third year of the king of Cy, uh, Cyrus king of Persia, okay? So this is at the end of the 70-year exile that was prophesied by Jeremiah and that had been experienced by Daniel and his friends. Cyrus issued the decree that would send uh, some of the Israelites back to Jerusalem. And the account of that, it takes place in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah in the Bible. But Daniel is not one that goes back to Jerusalem. He stays under the leadership of King Cyrus. But we find out in Ezra that things are not what they wanted it to be when they returned. There was the promises that were made by God were not yet fulfilled. There was no Davidic king on the throne. The temple that they were constructing paled in comparison to the beauty and magnificent of the previous temple. And they were experiencing opposition in the midst of return. Things that were promised would not happen. And yet, here they are experiencing the, those very things. So Daniel would likely have been hearing the feedback of this. And I believe that's what instigated his prayer and fasting for three weeks. Now, this three-week period would have been around and over the time of Passover. Now, Passover is one of the significant moments of God's redemption and salvation of his people so that he could redeem them from the people of Egypt and make them his own covenant people. So for Daniel to not eat Passover means that this is something that was very significant and important for him. So for three weeks, he prayed and fasted. Imagine Daniel on day 13. Not only has he been praying and asking 
God to do things, but he's seeing the unfulfilled promises, the, the, what he's been longing for and waiting for for 70 years is not being fulfilled. You can imagine his discouragements on day 13, 14, 15. I mean, and you and I have had similar experiences. We've longed for a day when something would happen and we get to that day and it doesn't meet our expectations. You may have been praying for someone to come to faith for years, and they haven't. You may have a son or a daughter that you raise, and they are not living in the ways of Jesus. I don't know what it is for you, but part of the human experience is in the midst of waiting, not fully understanding, experiencing what seems to be and and being discouraged by that. But things are not always what they seem. That's it. So in Daniel, as he's praying at the end of it, at the end of the three-week fast, day 21, a man clothed in linen. These are priestly garments. This is a, a, a messenger, an angel of the Lord um, comes to him. And Daniel, like everybody else who experiences an angelic being in the scriptures, is terrified, is afraid. The people with him run away. But it goes on to say in verse 12, the angel says this. He said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard and I have come because of your words. Verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. Pause. This is the unveiling of the spiritual world that we, you and I are not normally privy to. What we get to see is here on this earth. But what Daniel 10 is showing us is that there is more happening in the spiritual created world that runs parallel and is interspersed with this physical world that you and I can see. And this is a picture of spiritual warfare while we wait. And when I, we talk about spiritual warfare, people tend to only focus on one aspect. And so what I want to do is I want to just quickly uh, suggest to us that biblically there are three different aspects of spiritual warfare. The first is our flesh. This is the sinful nature that this parasitic nature of sin comes and attaches to, distorts a good, makes it bad. And this is the battle that even though we have been saved from our sins by placing our faith in the uh, death and resurrection of Jesus, you and I still wrestle with the sinful nature. Okay, That's one aspect of it. The second aspect of it is the world. The world is the systems and structures that are at, in place um, that of, and this is the corporate nature of sin reality. This is sin, not only individually, but all a group of people sin, organizing ways of being, assumptions, 
cultures, rules, laws, regulations that are an outworking of that. So this is systemic. And then the third piece is demonic. We have flesh, we have the world, and we have the demonic. These are fallen angels who have rebelled against God that are um, at war with God and his ways and his beings, okay? So different traditions emphasize different aspects of spiritual warfare. Some only focus on the flesh, and the result is an emphasis on repentance and faith. If there's something going on wrong, obviously we need to repent and have faith. And I agree with that. Repentance is absolutely significant. But in spiritual warfare, it's not the only answer. Some people think when it comes to the world that it's all about systemic injustice. And the main thing we need to do is fight the systemic injustices. And that will allow for sin to be broken. That's one, but that's not a full picture at all. Some people um, focus on the demonic and everything is a demon. There's a demon behind every rock. I was in an environment one time when a preacher heard the noise of a resetting water heater and immediately said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus that the devil, you stay away and do not distract us from the preaching of God's word. So I would say that's an over-spiritualizing of it. That could have just been a bad water heater that needed to be replaced. At the end of the day, we are not privy to the information of how exactly these things interact with one another, nor what we're experiencing, which bucket they fall into. They're all an aspect of spiritual warfare. And in Daniel, we get a, a picture of the demonic portion of spiritual warfare, the, the spiritual battle that's taking place. And so the first thing we need to see here is that our prayers actually change things. Notice the angel that comes to Daniel says that he's come because they heard his prayers on the first day. And as a result, that angel then left whatever he was doing and came to Daniel, but his um, appearance was delayed. It was delayed by a spiritual war taking place. This passage in verse 13 says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. This angel was not fighting a human. This is the spiritual war that was taking place. And I would submit to you that this was a demon that, or and remember, fallen angel, demon, interchangeable terms. This demon is, was given specific power and authority over a specific geographical reason, region. We, can, we see this in Deuteronomy 32 and 1 Kings 18. God gives the borders that specific um, de demons or fallen angels have specific power and authority over a specific region. And so this man clothed in linen was likely battling the um, demon or this angel, the fallen angel that oversaw Persia. Okay. Now, we want to know more about that. We want to know, oh, wait, what, what, like, does that mean there's one here? Like, where, how big are the, we, the Bible doesn't give us that. We can only discuss what we know about what the scriptures give us. And so in this demonic aspect of spiritual war, 
we see prayer making a difference, prayer having an impact on the spiritual side, and the spiritual side causing a waiting, causing a distance between prayer given and prayer answered. So for us, how do we wait in the midst of a spiritual war? This is Advent, the time that we long for Jesus to come. We, but we also know that the kingdom is not fully realized yet. What we want and what we experience, there's a difference between the two. And it's only when Jesus comes and renews and restores all things that we will fully have this understood. But, so what does it mean for us in Advent and throughout the year to wait in the midst of a spiritual war? A few different things. The first one is we pray. We pray. Jeff talked about this last week. We see throughout Daniel's life a life of consistent and regular prayer. Daniel was so moved by what he was seeing and experiencing. It led him to a 21-day fasting and prayer, that, um, and he didn't engage in one of the best celebrations of his uh, people. We pray. Okay. Secondly, we are alert. We remain alert. A lot of times when we think of the demonic aspect of spiritual warfare, we think of it as something that happens over there or back then. But what we need to understand is that spiritual war is not just over there or back then. It's right here and right now. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, in chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, he goes about um, talking about this spiritual war that we are in. In verse 18, he says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplications. And then he says, to that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. We in our body, based on our tradition and where we're at, tend to neglect the spiritual dynamic to the spiritual warfare. And what I want us to recognize is that we can't be naive. We can't over-spiritualize everything. We can't say everything's a result of a demon. But we have to realize that that is an aspect to this world. So don't be naive. Don't think it's only over there. We need to be alert. But also, we need to be armored. We need to be armored. In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So that's where our battle is. So what uh, Paul goes on to do is to give them an understanding of what it means to be fully immersed in the gospel, empowered by the Spirit, a helmet of salvation, um, uh, to uh, fasten a belt of truth, best, breastplate of righteousness, shoes, readiness to give the gospel, sword of the Spirit, shield of faith, all these things are different aspects of our faith that allow us to engage in the spiritual war that you and I are in. So we pray, we remain alert, we get armored up, and lastly, 
we are courageous. We're courageous. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Every, pers- every person that engaged and saw an angel in out- throughout scriptures was terrified. Happened to Daniel in chapter 10. It happened to his friends that experienced it. It even happened to Mary and Joseph when, they, when Gabriel came to tell them the news about the birth of Jesus. But you and I don't have to be afraid. The angels even say, don't be afraid. We can be of great courage. And why is that? Because we are in Christ and Jesus himself has defeated these very beings. Ephesians 1, the end of Paul's magnificent prayer, it says that, uh, Christ, when raised from the dead, verse 20, from, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, this is Jesus, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Okay? So this is Jesus' power because of his resurrection. He not only died for our sins, but he rose again. He defeated sin, Satan, and death. Okay? So he has authority over these spiritual beings. And verse 22, and he put all things, all these things he just mentioned, under his feet and gave him as had Jesus is head over all things to the church. And what is the church? It is his body. So what that means is the all things that are under his feet, the powers, the dominions, the authority are also under ours because you and I are the body of Christ. So we don't have to be afraid. We can be courageous. We can be part of this. We can pray. We can remain alert. We can be armored up knowing that whatever happens to us, we are in Christ. We are secure. Uh, Jesus says also, don't be afraid of who can take away your body. Be afraid of the one who can take away your soul. And what does Jesus do? He dies so that we can be redeemed and be hidden in him. So we are secure. So while we wait, we can know that God is at work. There is, some, there is more than what we see. We can know that while things are not always what they seem, God in his sovereignty and his power and his significance and his might because of the resurrection of Jesus is here. He's present. He's at work. And you and I, brothers and sisters, can enter into the war against our flesh, the wars against the injustice, but against the wars of the, in the spiritual realm as well, knowing that in Christ we are secure, we are grounded, and we are empowered, that while we wait and long for Jesus to return, we can be part of making a difference, both in what we see and both in what we do not yet see. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Father, thank you that you rule and reign over all, that Jesus, you defeated sin, Satan, and death. And Spirit, now you have empowered us to be alert, to not be naive, but to be aware that we can be armored up as Paul encourages us. But while we wait, while we long for things to be different, while we long for um, the fullness of your kingdom, we can know that what we pray what we do 
here and now matters even if we don't fully understand it, if we don't see the fruit or we don't see the fulfillment of it. So Jesus, help us see what we're part of so that we can rest in you when things do not seem to be fulfilled in the way we want. And so we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.